right now, humanity's attention span is the shortest it has ever been. So that's the big thing is figuring out a way to get right to the point and providing the most value as possible. Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And in this show, I interview all kinds of professionals across all different industries, whether it be corporate leaders or business owners and entrepreneurs. And today, I actually have a couple of repeat guests on just to talk a little bit about what they've done since the last time we talked on Profession Session. So I've got Andy Varnes and Devin Roberts with me today. Guys, thank you for being on. How you guys doing? Hey, what's up? How y'all doing? Good to have you guys. I'm excited to get into it. Where do we start? I want to start with y'all studio. Yeah. Ooh. So one thing that will be really cool to talk about is Devin and I have been building out a studio together in Orlando and Andy has continued to build out his studio in Jacksonville. We're both kind of just working on our own content recording studio situations here. So how right was I when I said it's a rabbit hole when y'all enter this <laughs> it's thing, expensive. camera gear and yeah, equipment, expensive. it's never enough. Yeah, people watching at home got to be like, oh, a black background and a couch, I could do that. But there's no way they could imagine how much goes into a production like this. For me, at least, the, before I ever did a podcast, I kind of just imagined a camera and some kind of recording equipment. You don't really think about it, but it, it really adds up because you, you get into this kind of situation where like you want it, you want the quality of it to be really good and then... You just realize there's a lot of things associated with it. Do, just building out a studio. Do y'all want to go into the actual breakdown of everything? I mean, we just could. like the budget. Yeah, I'm I think completely be, down. I think that. I, That's I, yeah. a great idea. I really wish someone would be like, hey, I've gone back and forth about saying I should start a YouTube channel, but okay, how much it actually costs to run a studio? Like, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Pull up our like expense sheet. That's probably a good way to do it because I think yeah. you've done it on a little bit more of an advanced level, Andy. You had a little bit of a, a media thing going ahead of time. Me and Brody yeah. are like, like we were pretty good at social media and then decided to open a studio. I think ours is kind of, you know, I don't want to say bare bones, but someone at home that's looking into doing something similar or looking into a similar um, budget, I think it would be really Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think I definitely did have, I probably had all my camera equipment, obviously. Okay. That probably equated to about 10 grand worth of, worth of stuff. Yeah. So you had a lot of stuff going into opening this studio yeah. already. So even having all that stuff already, just all the furniture and all that stuff and Yours is a, a bigger scale thing. I mean, we've basically got like two little rooms next to each other, but you've got two pretty big rooms and then a huge kind of back studio. Yeah, a big warehouse, and that just that's never never ending. Um, <laughs> never ending. All right, here y'all y'all break down y'all stuff first. Basically, we have kind of a a sheet that just keeps track of like everything Devin and I have put in together. It's an expense report of everything we've done on the project so far. Yeah. So okay. So rent. So we've got two rooms together. The biggest recurring expense would be the rent. So we split a thousand and sixty a month in rent. So for two rooms, one room is kind of our office slash content recording room. We're still working on building that out a little bit, a little bit of a secondary piece to the whole thing. But then we've got the podcast studio, which is an eight by 10 room, eight by 10 feet. And it's essentially just 530 bucks a month for that room. We've got it for whenever we could want it. The really cool thing about having that is when we started looking into 
doing podcasts at first, a lot of the options out there for studios that you can go and rent were like, first of all, way more expensive than that. It was like, it was like minimum $70 an hour a lot of times to even be able to use a room. And then you get no assistance with that. So it's still, like you're still doing everything on your own. But um, the other thing is you, typically they were limited to a lot of times Monday through Friday between nine and five. And if you're working and you're trying to do podcasts when with other people who are working, there's no way you can really make it happen that way. I think my best times in the studio have probably been outside of the Monday through Friday, nine to five when I'm in Orlando. Um, and us being able to find a place that was, you know, in the heart of Florida at such a reasonable rate was something we spent a lot of time on. You know, we went, we had you toured multiple places. We considered a lot of what we wanted and what we needed and didn't need to pull the price down to, you know, kind of the bare essentials of what made a studio. I think the re that's the reason we were able to find it at a price that was reasonable while we still have, you know, expenses in other parts of our lives. Yeah, one thing that, that makes me think of that's kind of a cool thing right now is we're in this awesome office building with a bunch of other different companies in it, and it's there's still plenty of vacant spaces in it because it's kind of coming off of COVID. A lot of companies moved out of this particular building and realized that they didn't necessarily need to move back. So there's a lot of opportunity out there to find a good space for a cheap price right now. I mean, we're, you said we're right in the heart of Orlando. We're literally right downtown, like right in the middle I mean, of downtown. Orange Avenue, like as center. Orange Avenue. And I mean, it's a prime location. You can literally walk to all the major bank buildings and off of orange and restaurants and everything it's and then andy's got his studio right here and as the heart of jacksonville as close as you can get right basically right off of town center. right off of town center right for pretty reasonable rent for what i mean you've got a lot more i mean <laughs> it's it's a lot more. it adds up really quickly oh yeah i will say i mean you we get to split of, ours I, I have a lot so so a breakdown breakdown of mine I pay about twenty one hundred dollars a month by myself, which isn't and you've fun. Got way yeah, more than double the space that we have. I will say. Yeah, so it's oh, about sure. nineteen hundred square feet. Yeah. So um, it's about uh, it's about a thousand uh square feet of kind of office space, and then about you know nine hundred square feet of of warehouse space, of which. Currently, the uh, the warehouse is essentially the warehouse is kind of our, our photo studio that people that haven't come by yet. But uh, currently, check it's, out. I'll put it in the link of the show notes and of the uh, the YouTube details. But check out at Varnes Media to see all of his stuff. There's a lot of good content on this. Yeah, yeah, lots of uh, mistakes that I've made and uh, and holes in the wall. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and currently the the warehouse as of right now it is mid mid august and everything so it's a little warm back there we got the fans blowing you know 24 7 and the fans yet i need to go back yeah so so the fan i mean it it's still hot but yeah. <laughs> it works mm -hmm. you know it's a it, it's a blast but um yeah i mean I, yeah obviously like for for me like rent is is the biggest biggest expense at this point if i can set aside about a thousand dollars a month to reinvest it um, that's kind of what I've been doing and previously in either new equipment, you know, fur furniture is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Basically just like, okay, what's a thousand dollars that I can upgrade. So when I went into the venture, um, 
you obviously have you know your security deposit first month's rent you kind of have have all those go into it so that's five grand basically right off the bat yeah i'd right say there. you definitely need five grand then one thing then, you know mention with yours that was a really cool thing is the the deal that you worked with your landlord when you were first moving in that's something that could be good mm-hmm. to ask for in certain situations yeah so basically i got a got a couple of months rent to uh to for you know tenant improvement mm-hmm. so so that kind of that so that definitely helped out two months before mm-hmm. you had to pay which is huge. Like if you're set, if you're thinking about setting something like this up, it's a mm-hmm. very reasonable thing to ask for because ultimately you're going to be improving the space a lot and making it usable for something that it previously mm-hmm. wasn't before. I think the big thing is coming in with a plan to tell them this, saying, "Hey, here's everything I'm going to do to it, and I'm eventually probably going to leave here, and so you're going to be left with all this." What I didn't tell them was that I will be doing all of this to the walls, yeah. and that was going to be a hard one to explain. You know, day. we actually did. Yeah. We told our lady, we said, I, I kind of came in there. I, it's a beautiful place that we got. And I, I'll be honest, when I was touring it, I was skeptical because I just assumed there was no way they were going to do everything I want to do. I, we explained, we're completely covering the walls. We are going to be mounting things on every wall. We're going to hang things from the ceiling. You good with us hanging things from the ceiling? Like we went over everything and she was very reasonable and explained to us. I mean, she comes in and checks in every now and then just sees our progress on it. And she's she's come and checked in at times where she's come in and grabbed a Sharpie from a different room and Sharpied. A yeah. spot on the wall that needed to be black between two soundboards. She's like, get Sharpie yeah. in there. Like when Sharpie then for <laughs> That's so she, awesome. Having someone to work she with us like great. That, she is. She's fantastic. And having someone who's shout willing to work Barb. with us. Shout yeah, shout out to Barb. To Barb. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think we value someone who's willing to work with us like that a lot. And you really need to know like the exact scale that you're going to take your project to so that, you know, in the beginning, I mean, you're at the point where I'm sure they're going to be happy with what you've done with the studio. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, you can let them know up front, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm mounting. You know, here's what I intend to put in here mm-hmm. partially because it makes you look more professional and it makes sure you're getting the right place that's not going to charge you thousands of dollars as you're leaving yeah yeah if i had to kind of guess as to why it's not that big of a problem it's a cool thing that we're bringing to the office building and for there i mean there's a couple other companies and offices right around us and they really we're on very good terms with them at least one of them we talk to all the time shout out maria Previous podcast. So many shout outs on that. So many. <laughs> and um and it's just like a cool thing to have in the atmosphere of the building. I think it brings a kind of culture to the building that they probably enjoy seeing and will hopefully play some kind of part and maybe bring other people to the building, at least at some point, or or maybe they see it that way. I mean it's definitely a good marketing thing for the building to say, Hey, we have a podcast studio in here that we can rent, you mm-hmm. know. Or something like that. Yeah, ultimately, the more diverse range of businesses that they can show are in their building and using it, the more the more possible businesses it applies to. Attracts other people. It does. So the rent is probably the biggest cost for both of us. Another big one, just talking about some of the equipment, because Andy had a lot of the equipment already. We were kind of starting from scratch. Oh, yeah. No, equipment wound up adding up way quicker than we expected. And Andy warned us up and down, but (laughs) I tried as much as we should. I tried. I mean, and it really for me, what surprised me was I I thought the individual cameras and lenses and things would be more expensive each themselves. But what really daunted me was how many of everything we need. I thought we buy two cameras and we're good. Two lights and we're good. We need 
four or five or six different lights, different different strength, different weaknesses, ones to light the wall behind us, cameras <laughs> for angles on us, wide angles, you know, extra cameras for travel, GoPros for backup, everything that we put into this. And that's just getting into cameras and lighting. I mean, we spent thousands on just soundboard for the walls. Yeah, the soundboards. Yeah, break do down this. the yeah, break down oh, the soundboards real quick. We have also was a lot more than mine. Yeah. So uh, we decided to go a little bit of a unique direction with our soundboard. You can probably see right behind me. Like Andy's got kind of standard soundboard on here. The, the squares that you usually see that are kind of like vertical and horizontal uh, stripes on them, they, they're kind of textured. But we went a little bit different direction with ours and wanted to kind of make a decorative piece out of it as well. And we ordered, what would you say, like a third of what we needed, thinking we ordered enough? <laughs> we ordered hexagon soundboards and had a pattern that we intended to do with them where essentially is a giant fat black stripe through the center of a white room um, so that there would be a black background behind our heads when we were doing videos. And we estimated the amount we would need I think a lot based on our pocketbooks more than maybe necessarily the square footage of the room. Yeah. We're like a thousand dollars worth of soundboard sounds like plenty. You know, that's a, I think we, we can five hundred. Yeah, we, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. We came we came a little ways up closer to that, and yeah, so you're right. In the initial round, we only put in five hundred dollars worth into it, and we were like, you know, just for wall covering, you know, wallpaper is not that expensive. This yeah. is just wall covering, and not, we we wanted the best looking walls we possibly could for this background. You know, you have a little more space. It was one small room. If we're going do one smaller room it needs to be as quality as we can possibly make it hopefully most of the space yeah and we won't be there for a long time so it's like if you're going to be recording this podcast and i'm going to be recording my content for years and years and years to come in the studio we wanted to put as much money into it as was necessary but i mean yeah. it was a lot so how much total was it so we ordered i would say about a third Not of done <laughs> We still need more. Five hundred, and then we realized we had like a third of what we needed. We spent about fifteen hundred. Yeah, that's wow. probably that's a good estimate. And that's on the one room. We also kind of thought we were going to get two rooms out of it, but we wound up doing grass wall. We in thought the we second. were going to have extra. Yeah, we thought we were going to have extra. And we had like a third of what we needed. It was crazy. Yeah, if you have any home improvement skills whatsoever, that'll put you a leg above us because we learned through this process that that was that's not our forte. But I, but I will say y'all did it the right way. I mean, if you. Again, my my studio and everything, building it from from scratch and everything, it was I mean, it was a lot of me attempting to do everything and honestly the the cheaper way possible and saying, Okay, I'm just gonna figure it out. I just need to get it up and running for right now. So like it, like if you look like behind like Brody's head right now, I'm literally looking at like crevices like in the walls where like, you can see things Sorry. and yeah, Sharpie. I mean, if you look over here, I attempted to put wallpaper up of um, a brick wall, and now it's completely covered with a whole separate background because the brick wall was, like, slanted by the time I put the wallpaper up. So, it. I mean, so the fact that y'all are just, okay, let's just do it the right way once, honestly, probably save saved y'all in the end because, like, I've already probably gotten rid of half of the first like furniture purchases that i made really yeah so you know like okay like this table right right next to us right here that's the second table i bought so yeah the first one it was you know it was like a very cheap it was like a hundred dollar table mm -hmm. yeah. i bought another different thing for out there that was like a hundred dollar thing and it basically was all broken by the time it got here and so i probably lost like 
minimum yeah minimum probably five or six hundred dollars trying to do it the cheaper way right so and in the end it's kind of like all right well i just yeah i i I still ended up you know paying the couple hundred dollars for like nice couches out there and everything anyways so when i was growing up my dad used to furnish all kinds of buildings like this and studios and hospitals and different things like that and the one piece of advice that he really gave me he's like do not get cheap furniture out the gate. If you're trying to build a place to last, if you're going to have strangers on it who aren't going to take the same care as you, who are going to jump on it and put pressure and everything in that, you want to get the highest quality possible. You want to be able to last through, not even like this studio in this space, but to be able to use for other projects as we move forward. So I think also watching you do that and watching you like make these trial and errors, <laughs> that, that, that should be stated. Like awesome. Andy, Andy started opening his studio months before Brody and I did. <laughs> And when when he started opening his studio, that. we we he really when we when you started opening your studio, we had kind of been like you'd been in almost like the honeymoon phase of the studio, right? You had just moved in here, you hadn't really got all the stuff on the walls yet, and we were like, oh, this space is so cool and awesome, we should do it too, Brody. And then as we're like looking into it and you know signing paperwork and getting LLCs and stuff, we start seeing you like trying to stick things to walls. <laughs> It's falling off, and we're we're building stuff in the back room, and it's crashing off the table, and it's just like, oh, man, what we get ourselves into? So getting to learn yeah. from what you did really made a big difference for us. I'm, I think I'm happy right. y'all could learn from from my mistakes. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Um, He's like, thank you so much for letting me be you. the guinea pig. I, and we I, appreciate yeah. it. We do. I'm, I am happy to be the guinea pig w- w- whenever y'all need. I feel like I'm the guinea pig in a lot of situations. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But Hey, I feel like half know. of Jacksonville's in your studio each week now, though. So that works. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. It's starting to pick up, which is, which is good. That's um, a good segue to kind of get into what's been going on since we last talked. Oh. The podcast. Okay. So to kind of to, to pick up where we left off, you we were pretty early in the year when we first talked. You were one of the first ones. Um, I think I was the second. You were the second one? Fourth, I think. Fourth. You're the fourth. We might have really? recorded it second, but I'm pretty sure it's episode four. I, I know we first. shot three podcasts before it. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, were we like all over the place. I think we shot two outside of the studio, but then you yeah. had the studio ready. Yeah, so we're like, well, might as well just reshoot everything once more. So, you know. Yeah. And if you have not seen that podcast, check it out right there on the link. Was Profession Session Episode 1 the first podcast released out of the studio for anyone? I believe so. Mm -hmm. That's important. That's an important piece of history. And if you haven't seen that one, you can find it at the link right there. (laughs) (laughs) See how we did that? Yeah. Um, But where we kind of left off with Andy um, in Episode 4 was we were earlier in the year. You have some history to your company, but you've kind of like evolved each year, in my opinion, just like kind of changed your business model a little bit. And you had changed your business model at the beginning of this year to more of a kind of full content management service. And in my opinion, it's been going really, really well for you. Um, It's, it's definitely, definitely building. Mm-hmm. We're learning each month. This was a complete new new scheme of everything at the start of the year. It was very new to me, very new to kind of the people that were kind of helping me with everything. There were definitely some learning curves. It wasn't until, honestly, I hate to say it, it wasn't until probably a month ago to where things really started clicking. Yeah. You know, things things really started moving around saying, okay, doing these steps, you know, doing these steps, grow an Instagram, grow a profile. And, and I really hate to say it, but 
you know, like along the way, uh, we, we retained a lot of people and, and we lost a couple people. And it was because, you know, we, we, were, we were learning, you know, and you have to go through those learning pains saying, okay, we, you know, we're, we, we can't do it this way. We can't do it this way. Um, you know, the, the entire time you're trying to keep, keep clients as happy as possible mm-hmm. um, as we build new clients. Yeah, people. while trying to find new clients and figuring out kind of the system. We, we saw there was a gap in the market and we've kind of gone for it. So far, it's, it's, gone, it's gone pretty well. I'm, I'm really excited about these next couple of months because now I feel like we've really, really, like we, we have a very, very good system saying, okay, shooting the content, editing the content, turning them to reels, turning them to TikToks, and watching it translate into followers. Could you talk a little bit about some of those specific variables, maybe like some of the the specific things that you've learned that work? Because you mentioned you've kind of learned what grows a profile. What does that look like in your average example of a client that's working well right now? So, so, so a basic one is just how you're going to be editing the reels now. Uh, you have to think that right now, humanity's attention span is the shortest it has ever been. Mm-hmm. If you go on, you know, everybody at home, go on to your Instagram or TikTok and count how long your reels are now. At the very beginning of it, it was what, 60 seconds? Mm-hmm. Turn it on right now, I guarantee four out of the five ones aren't going to surpass probably 10. Four to seven seconds. Four to seven seconds. I mean, it is, it is, comp- I mean, all the trending sounds now are sitting at about nine. They're sitting at about nine seconds, all the trending sounds. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the big thing is honestly, it's figuring out a way to get right to the point and providing the most value as possible. Yeah. The second thing is honestly using, using text. That's, that's, that's the big thing is to when you're, you know, you're, you know, like, when you're when you're in school the the best way to learn is by listening and reading at the same time it you know it it helps with the with your brain function and it's translated to tiktoks tiktoks and reels so now when you're watching everything that's why you're seeing any of these entrepreneurs investment people you know they have the they have those text box that are coming you know popping up and everything and usually the yellow text which psychologically you know the the yellow text is blue Blue, okay, baby blue, baby blue, blue yeah. yeah ba- so you have, <laughs> just a branding thing. so you have, you know, you have the baby blue, you have yellow and um and pink is another big one that 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 pops out pretty good. Um, shout out to a CEO of Golf that I've been doing some of his stuff for yeah. because I love that content. Um, yeah, he yeah. he he put me on to the pink one. I knew about I knew about blue and yellow, and then when I saw the pink, I was like, okay, that really really pops out right He's now. Got kind of like a Miami Vice color yeah going on mm-hmm. yeah works really well yeah uh if you're listening to this and don't know what kind of captions we're talking about you should definitely definitely click into it i think pretty much everyone that's growing on social medias right now is using this caption style that yeah. i can yeah. find yeah it's pretty universal there's some variants in the actual caption style but i would say the commonalities are just finding like a consistent branding that works for it and then just having like subtitles for the entire video I mean, it, you really have to be engaged the whole time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Another one that people aren't using yet that if anybody's watching might want to hop on this trend is actually using, I mean, you you obviously already use it right now, is, is cutting out the space in between words. So that's one. 
um, cutting out the space in between words to make it, you know, as succinct as possible. Mm -hmm. But here's another one. Every time that you're cutting those words out and everything, actually cropping it inside and outside. So cutting in, cutting out. Yeah. Yeah, So it's cutting in, cutting out. Obviously, okay, go watch a Mr. Beast video. Mm-hmm. Um, go, I mean. Alex Hormozzi. Yeah, Alex Hormozzi. He's, he's another one to where now they're doing this cut in, cut out. So now your your brain is continuously seeing something different. Yeah, I've been thinking about switching to that. It's probably a pretty simple tweak. And it does, it, there's something about it where you're just like, it just keeps you engaged. Yeah, it, 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 keeps, you, it keeps you moving. And it's, I think. You know, it's just going to continue to develop to where, you know, pro- probably next month there's going to be something new that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Trending sounds are huge right now. If you can get onto the trending sounds of Instagram, uh, actually, Instagram is always about two weeks behind TikTok. At least. Do that's one thing to know. strategies for keeping up with those for someone who's a little busy? So. We've talked about this. Uh, I think we've talked about this, too. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, so, I hate to say it. I think I should. I do the. So, I, I came up with this one little, like, business idea. to a concept. Right. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a concept. You know, it was the one of the 50 new ideas that I'll come up for the week. And I'll, like, <laughs> text both of you. Be like, hey, what do you think about this? Um. To where basically finding all the trending sounds and sending out like a text link or something like that saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's basically the top 10 trending sounds like for the week. Yeah. Very simple because they're honestly, like you just asked the question, there really isn't. You have influencers that are saying, hey, here's the trending sound that's like popping off and everything. But you've got to be following them yeah. around, keeping track of all these people and just hoping that like you're catching their stuff early enough. Sometimes yeah. you're catching their stuff a couple weeks down the road. and Oh, you'll find a sound on one Instagram account that's great for a different Instagram account, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to screenshot this to remember yeah. it. Go to the other account and search the sound. There's no way I can save it and check on my other profile or just see it in trending. It's, like, very difficult, actually. Instagram, you heard us. We need it. Yeah, so TikTok, you got the trending sounds. Instagram, nothing. Yeah, it's really hard to find on Instagram. It's just not as robust. TikTok's also a better social media platform. Hot take. Um, You're getting way more engagement right now on TikTok from accounts that have low numbers of followers or maybe like if your friends and family aren't generally engaging with your content. I find I can start a channel on TikTok and get a community around me in two weeks, the size of what would take me two months on Instagram. So so break down. Yes, you kind of started doing like the solar panel TikToks and everything. Yeah, I got like keeping up with it. How's that going? I got way too many TikToks, (laughs) but specifically with the solar ones, probably the one I enjoy talking about most. So I got kind of tapped on the shoulder at work to do some social media content that related to solar panels and what we do as a company and the benefits of working in the solar industry. And they just had me record basic TikTok style content where I talked about what we do, why we do it, you know, what are the benefits of being hired, how much money you can make in solar, how much money you can save by going solar, and all just different videos for different types of audiences because they were looking for this TikTok style content that they wanted to post as a company that they really couldn't get on any corporate level. It was hard for them to just, like I've seen the other videos they did with some other um, employees and they're very, um, I don't want to say staged, but they're very inorganic. inorganic. That's what they feel like. When I kind of did mine, I literally just pull out my phone kind of while I'm walking and record exactly how I'm feeling and talking. And the reason I'm able to do that is because I've been 
posting on TikTok and social medias and doing podcasts like this for so long, it comes across very naturally to me. But I'm finding that it's very, very hard for a corporate style company to put out that comfortable feeling content unless they have someone who does it I don't want to say necessarily for a living, but as a passion, does it all the time. So I was doing that for them and everything. I think really what we were, what they were looking for out of me was just more organic, less corporate videos, which I think perform on TikTok reels for Instagram and YouTube and a lot of different places better. So I'm finding you, you really can't be in a business and try to move towards social media and then be good at it. I see people, especially in solar, try that all the time. They're, they're similar to me and they come to social media and try to make solar style videos, but they've never worked in a social media field before they're terrible and they don't perform and they give up very quickly but i find if someone who already is on social media starts promoting a product or someone who's already very good with social media starts backing a product it blows up so i think the trick is that companies need to start looking for people who are natively social media people instead of necessarily trying to find people in their company that maybe Aren't necessarily inclined toward that. The, the the yeah, they'll be like, you're on Facebook all day, all day. Here, you start a TikTok. You're place. you're 25 yeah, you're, years you're 20, old. You can you can do. You it. must you must understand what TikTok lighting and sound and captions and, and hashtags say, are. I would say there's a caveat to this because, like you guys are saying, you don't just want someone that's on social media. You want someone that's making content mm-hmm. because a lot of people are just consuming social media kind of gives you an idea of like what's going on but it doesn't really give you any idea of what's working How, do what's do, working if, do any of y'all um sorry oh, what, no, what you saying okay um do any of y'all watch ryan pineda do any of you yeah. know who bit. that is absolutely so he switched up his um the way that he's doing all of his content now he started he started the podcast but he's been pretty open about how I used to, you know, do the how to's, okay, how to, you know, make $10,000 over the next, you know, X amount of days or, mm-hmm. you know, these three habits, maybe, you know, you, you know, the videos I'm talking right. about. Mm-hmm. Well, he basically switched everything around and probably the past month and a half to where essentially it's a very Gary V style type thing to where they're just following him around with a camera and he's still talking about everything, but it's much less, um, it's it's stage. yeah much less documentary stage. style yeah it's much more documentary style An- another person to do it is uh Ryan uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Serhan I believe that's how you say his last name oh I've heard the of the that. you know the real estate guy with Casey Neistat would be my example. yeah K- Casey Neistat he's before everything but so <laughs> Ryan Serhan um he is the one to where he'll do all the real estate like house tours and mm-hmm. everything right. and he noticed that he was like whenever we do this full big production and everything. The engagement would be super down versus when I would literally go in here with a with like my own little videographer and we just start walking around and everything. That's much that gets much more engagement because it feels like you're kind of just walking along with them. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're actually doing the thing and not telling you conceptually how one might do it. And that just comes off, in my opinion, as just more trustworthy, more legitimate, just at first glance. Because another example is Grant Cardone. He's Every single video I see of his, he's just like walking around a parking lot. Yeah. Like, I'm touring a house right now. Like, <laughs> I just toured 10. Buying apartments. Yeah. 40 buildings yeah. in this apartment. It's going to make me 24 gajillion dollars. You guys need to get on it. Grant Cardone, University. Yeah. Something like that. See them out in the field and like, it, like they're doing the actual thing that they're talking about. And the funny thing is it's easier to make content that way too. So, so at what point does it become too much? 
because you have like too organic. Well, not necessarily too organic, but to where I'm talking about like a Grant Cardone to where people are just like, I don't like him because he's a fake. What is the difference yeah. between uh, someone that knows what they're talking about versus a fake guru per se? I think, I mean, it's kind of just something that you notice inherently. In my yeah, opinion. I, it's, it comes with the person. It's about being genuine and honest. It's just that simple. For all the, and I mean, it's everyone's taste and opinion is different on people. Personalities are going to clash, but I feel like, in in a sense, I don't like Grant Cardone for his personality just because I don't mess with his personality. But I definitely, if I'm going to buy a set of apartments, going to listen to everything Grant Cardone's ever put out before I do so, or where I'm listening to Gary V, I may be doing that for more energy and pump up and thing of that nature. So I think. Each of them have their categories where they're good and they're bad. And if you double down on the category that you're really, really good at, then that's okay. But if you get outside of your category and start getting out of your wheelhouse, then you just start talking about stuff you don't know much about. And I think that's where they get their problems. That's what I'm, that's what I'm always scared of. Cause like people, people will be like, Andy, you need to make a, a course on, you know, how to like become a photographer and everything like that. And I'm like, no, like I don't want to be viewed as a fake. You know, someone that's someone that's like faking You've it. Done it yeah, but I don't think it. that I've made, I've haven't gotten there yet. Essentially, that's that's kind of that's kind of my your imposter it. syndrome showing, Andy. You definitely have. <laughs> you were in your studio <laughs> right now. <laughs> I think there's certain things. I think you could do it in a way that would keep you in your wheelhouse without saying. I mean, like you. This is to, what I've learned. You not don't want to come out and way. say I have a multi-billion-dollar agency doing content management. You just want to yeah, say there we I'm go. a guy that. <laughs> started in photography went to videography and then went to content management and i have a studio that i built this year and have a base of a few clients a month that are keeping us in the studio that have helped us get a couple people helping me out and doing some of the editing just talk about what you actually do yeah i'll be real i'm actually really tired of listening to gurus above the million dollar mark i don't i don't really need to know what to do a million dollars or above and 99.999 percent people are just like that i need to know what to do from a thousand to two thousand dollars a paycheck all the way up to quitting my job and getting to do it full time mm. and that's what you have a hundred percent done that I think is the more valuable content. I don't care what millionaires are doing in these categories because that doesn't really pertain to me. That's why they're all giving rah-rah because they can they could break down the numbers and stuff for you, but it doesn't affect you. If you're like, okay, I you know I pay myself X number of dollars a week. I budget $1,000 every month toward upgrades and things of that nature. Those are numbers that are more reasonable to the people that I think are Googling, how do I become a photographer? Does that make sense? It appeals to a more realistic wider audience probably i mean i i think there's a lot of fatigue kind of on a mass scale with a lot of these gurus i'm getting it too like i i i find myself switching around to a lot of different content producers just because i'm looking for specific types of information right mm -hmm. and then i the ones that i find myself going back to more consistently are really just the entertainment ones like like i follow a lot of entertainment stuff just to kind of help inspire me on little little aspects I could add to the show because I want it to be entertaining and educational. But the things I go back to are really the edu the uh, entertainment ones. The ones that I kind of hop around to are the the guru ones. Like you kind of 
you get fatigued quickly with someone who's kind of a guru unless they really know what they're talking about. And I say, and see, I would say on your podcast, because it has a natural professional leaning, it's a lot of times very high level topics, difficult topics uh, that not a lot of people might understand depending on who's listening. I think looking around for content that's entertaining and trying to make, you know, the professional Thai podcast more entertaining is something that it, it makes sense for that podcast. But then I feel like in my content, I'm almost in the opposite where I'm looking for how to make it more professional and clean. I get the idea of, you know, TikToks that are relatable, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't get the idea of the consistent, perfect videos every time. So sometimes I'm looking for just like, like the Andy style vice where I would it'd be like, hey, I need to know, how do I do my lighting to make my face look a little bit better? Not how do I talk to be more entertaining? And I feel like that's just different needs for our content. I think that's cool. I think you can look at different creators for that. And that's kind of the beauty of social media. So you, in your case, being informative and giving the advice for, hey, you know, this isn't the only way to do it, but this is the way I've been able to take it from A to B to C to D, even for me would be valuable. So I know it would be valuable for others. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just talking to you about all this stuff has provided tons of value to both of us. I mean, we haven't literally opened a studio off your advice or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping y'all were going to be like, no, it's a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. What would really... you get us into, Andy? I'm poor now. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> you well, said I was going to make money. <laughs> so he tried to stop us. I yeah. tried to stop you. It's like, have, like, have y'all heard like the Kevin Hart joke? And he was like, I'm the only one that like buys like dumb, dumb things like clothes and everything like that. I'm like, well, where, you know, like, where's all your money? He's like, it's right here. Yeah. That, that's how it is. I'm like, well, where, where's all the income from the company? Right here. Right here. Yeah. All right back into it. Right where it needs yeah. to be. Making the studio. Right in that camera right there. I think that's really smart, though. I mean, you've been able to continuously grow the company because you reinvest back into it. You've right. always, every time someone comes in here, there's something new. And that shows very visually that the company is always growing. And people... I think people want to be involved with companies and brands that they feel will grow with them. I have that feeling at least. So buying into a brand or a company or deciding to work with a company, I think a lot of times you do that with companies that you think will continue to grow and continue to flourish as you continue working with them. I can't imagine a situation where Varnes Media, with how well you're making connections locally, is not going to be here in years to come to be able to provide more photography. And I think other people see that too. It's like, oh, not he doesn't just do sports photography. He just doesn't do portrait photography. He doesn't just do this, this, or that. There, You kind of encompass a very large group of people, especially here in Duval. I don't see any situation where this place disappears soon. And I think other people feel that energy from everything you've done here. I mean, I think honestly, I'm I'm really happy that I'm was able to be in Jacksonville. I think it's such a emerging city. I think there's so many markets that can, you know, people can really just like just take over. It's a very entrepreneurial city. It, it's really become. I mean, it's. I mean, it's de it's definitely not in Orlando or Miami or anything like that. But I think that what's it helps it because it keeps from a lot of the outside money kind of coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And I, I think it's it's not in Orlando or in Miami, but I think it does have, um, at least in my experience here, there's there's kind of entrepreneurship in all big cities, but there's there's a pretty unique kind of brand of it in Jacksonville that I think you've tapped into really well with your company. I think it's much more of a blue-collar, almost entrepreneurial it type. That's a good way of putting it. Jacksonville's kind of like the new Chicago, in a way. Explain. 
Uh, lots of business, lots of blue collar work, lots of warehouse and factories, lots of chances for people to come up. But it's not like, like it's been compared on the podcast before that. What was it? Orlando's a clip, by the way, it, or, it would get huge just for people hating. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Go Chicagoans would be rioting. In the Chicagoans? Are they Chicagoans? Is that correct? I don't know. Oh, you better hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if if Miami and Orlando are kind of closer to what was it compared to? Las Vegas and Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say Jacksonville, that's a comparison of something like Chicago. You know what I mean? There's a lot of blue collar work there. There's a lot of factories, warehouse, business opportunity, but it's not the classic Silicon Valley style yeah, business opportunity. There, there that aren't any. Used to. There's no tech. No, there's no tech. There's no tech. It's a lot of just good. Like this is the tech. It's a lot of good, modest. That's why I've done so well. There's no tech. Yeah, there's no tech. (laughs) You got the niche right, exactly. That's the gap in the market right there. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. There's honestly a lot of what. All right, I'll so gaps in the market. What if we hit on that a little bit? I like that. Jacksonville specific. No, I say just get like side business opportunities. Jack, I mean, Jacksonville, a lot of our audience could be people. So right, right, I'll start. Just... I'll go ahead and start. We need a really good T-shirt printing place here. <laughs> that is one thing we need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't know where to go for one. I, I have like, I have someone that does it outside of the city that helps me with it. But no, there's not really a good mm-hmm. one that I know of. So you got that. But like, you need like the act. Like, and there's a lot of people that are doing like the, the, um, more heat press stuff with the cricket, but like someone that can actually, like if someone wants to invest like $2,500 and get you get yourself a screen printer and everything to where you can actually do all the stuff, I guarantee you'll have that money back in like a month. Yeah. The biggest thing we're missing here in Jacksonville is any tech whatsoever. Independent tech creators are probably the biggest opportunity in Jacksonville. If you can make an app for three to $4,000, a simple one, Varn's media app that doesn't require to be linked through a website or use any like www link. I think people would pay a ridiculous amount here in Jacksonville. I don't think there are people who are tech enough to be able to do it with someone remote. So I feel like there's a lot of businesses in Jacksonville where if I walked into them, took all the pictures, did all the media for it, came out, built the app for them tech wise and gave them to them, they pay me plenty of money and it'd be valuable. I don't think there's all because it's a, you know a little bit of an older population that owns a lot of the businesses here in some cases or maybe at least a less tech savvy population. They're not going to be able to hire another company, give them the correct information, the correct photos, the correct metrics, the correct everything for them to be able to launch an app or something like that. And I think pretty much, I mean, even amongst us who I would say are some of the most tech savvy people, none of us are even looking into that right now. We so, all know the value. So it's funny you mentioned that uh, Sean, my roommate, that's what he. There's a company out of Ponte Vedra mm-hmm. that that is what they're doing right now. Go shop. But they go, um, they're doing it with country clubs. That's a great actually. place to start. That's and exactly so, kind so of the Sean, thing I'm So about. Sean is traveling around the country now on these different business trips, building apps for these kind of high-end country clubs. It's really, really cool. It's a really cool company. When did Sean start doing this? Sean's coming on the podcast. <laughs> I didn't know about this. That's so yeah. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Is that recent? He uh, he graduated at like in like, yeah at the basically the start of summer. He's probably been doing it for like 
three months now. That's awesome. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he he's crushing it. Living the. There's always revenue to be dream. made and things people don't understand, and I really don't think people understand the apps and the value that they provide yet, or at least I think they understand them conceptually, just not how to do them. So if you can go out there and you can give apps to country clubs, I mean, I mean the budget that a country club has for marketing and advertisement that they don't get to spend on anything, or you know, not even marketing and advertising, just improving um the the lives and well-being of your members for being able to see schedules in an app and things like that nature. Just I can't believe proprietary software right. in general. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's what Jacksonville's missing. Yeah, code. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You half of them you barely need to know how to code to I'm telling you there there needs to be It's like it's like you say you can be you can start a business that does it without knowing how to code then hire someone that knows how to code. I say that especially in software I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Software is almost 100 I mean you can hire coders, right? So the biggest, yeah, the biggest difficulty. So you can find a great coder on like Fiverr, Upwork, one of those type things, and they've got they're well reviewed. They work remotely. You just hop on a Zoom call with them. If you're good at just going over, if you're design oriented and you're good at expanding on your ideas, you can kind of explain these things to these coders or these design experts that you can find on Fiverr, Upwork, et cetera, and get them to actually build these things out. And you don't have to have that coding experience. You can kind of focus on the sales and the, the business building of it. That's, that's a great point. Another gap I would say, this is something I would love to be able to execute on, but I've been busy with everything else I'm doing, is um, so some kind of smaller form of the like the kind of big digital kiosks that you see in something like a mall. I think there there's a business to be had in selling little versions of that in um, things like, and I, I can't take full credit to this idea. This was something I kind of collaboratively came up with with an idea I had and, and a friend of mine, but um, it's just like, selling like a small digital advertising piece in something like a doctor's office, a spa, something like that, and then having local businesses advertise on it. I think that could do really well. That's reasonable. I definitely see that reoccurring money. Yeah, I think it could do well really anywhere and you just charge like a subscription fee for it. I'm very deep on the belief as far as if I'm, if I'm starting anything business-wise right now, I'm very big on the belief that the more expensive the thing I'm selling is, the more money I make per sell, whether that's to a client as a service or whether it's a product. And so I'm very, and the only exception to that, I think is something like what you're talking about where it's that reoccurring payments, like uh, like the vending machine rule, right? As you keep, mm -hmm. money keeps coming in and then you collect that money um, once it's already been installed. So I think that's really interesting. I want work with no maintenance. So I never yeah. want to have to go sell the uh, whenever one go have to put these out again once they're up they kind of stay there and they just keep making you money the business job is to find people to advertise on them and i think that um the fact it can reoccur like that makes it very valuable for you sure sell it once and then you just yeah you lock in some advertisers mm -hmm. and if it's going well and they're seeing any kind of conversions i think you build in some kind of way to actually track back to that so you have the companies that are advertising ask about they ask their customers that are coming in, where is the, where did you hear about us? And if they heard about them through one of these little digital kiosk things, that's direct attribution. And then you can use that to kind of sell it going forward. That's, that's okay. definitely my 
biggest, I'm not going to say regret, but that's when somebody asks, like, okay, if, if you weren't to weren't going to do Varnes Media to where basically we're having to create brand new content every single week, literally every single day we're having to figure out, okay, what can we do differently? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, like, I would much rather a figuring out, like, a product where it just has really good margins. Mm-hmm. You find it for, okay, you buy it for X right. amount, you're selling it for X amount. Mm-hmm. That's why, I mean, I think that's why dropshipping was so hot for so for that, for that probably what two years stint, yeah. to where that's you know you made everything you bought it for you know three dollars over in China, you paid a hundred dollars for marketing and you sold it for you know for you know, yeah for fifteen dollars over here and just cashed out. Mm-hmm. And then you Amazon know. just took it over. Yeah. It did. Now Amazon FBA is just it's an easier option. Well, that's the advantage of the something like a software sales. You're you're selling the concept of an app, not a literal product that Amazon can recreate. Mm-hmm. So there's like a there's like a marriage of service and product there that I really really like. Where it's like, hey, this is a product. You understand the value of it. You understand the margins on it for us and for you. You understand it's a high dollar product, but at the same time, it has the value of a service which is no one else can do it like I can do it. Yeah, and I think there's value in that. And the the high level of design and specificity in it. You go into a potential business that you're selling to, you figure out exactly their needs for a software and build it out exactly as they need it because they've probably tried a million different CRMs and have something that's doing a decent job for them. But if you can build them something that's perfect for them and has exactly what they need, then all of a sudden it's a different story. Right, exactly, exactly. And you can get paid really well for it. So yeah. that's, the, that's the big advantage. One other little very specific gap that you made me think of with the vending machine thing. There's something you've seen. Um, I don't know if you've seen them when you've been there, but the mystery vending machines in Orlando. No, no. I have not seen them in Jacksonville, and maybe they have plans to expand here. But if you go into nearly any Orlando bar now, some restaurants too, there's these things called mystery vending machines they're great and they it's a bunch of little just packages and they'll have some name like adult coloring book or something like that a lot of it it's all very like adult based because it's yeah bars yeah um so it'll be like adult coloring book or like dirty dice or like some funny hmm. game or something and you pay I mean, the margins on it are probably incredible. I don't know how much it costs to make this stuff. Probably pretty cheap. Yeah. Super cheap. You buy it for like seven or eight bucks, sometimes even 10 bucks per thing. Mm-hmm. You just swipe your credit card. They're all credit card accessible. And wow. They sell a lot of this stuff. I mean, Devin, That's the first crazy. time you were visiting and you saw it, you, you, yeah, Devin you, and Colin bought like, 30 things out of it. Oh, must have. There's so, just such a novelty So what, what, what was in it? <laughs> uh, like a little old 90s toys, like little um, men you throw and would fall on the parachute and finger traps. And it really is advertised to people who are too shy to buy their sex toys in a store. So they want to do it at the bar in a vending machine instead. <laughs> and they're just going to... It's more just, fun if you have to guess what you get. Um, yeah, I may have got the dirty dice. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh my gosh. There, there's, there's a mess of stuff. But that's it's the concept is just to get a drunk person to come over and pull the pull the lever as much and as they think. So it could be anything. Yeah, I mean, you're you, oh, it's it was, a yeah. nice little like talking piece. Like everything in there is a nice mm-hmm. little talking piece if you're just with your friends at the Well, moment. think about the dopamine hit you also get too. You know, the slot machine thing. You're like, oh, what am I going to get? What am I gonna right, get? right. There's a gambling you know, aspect. I got you game yeah. aspect. That's what it's called. What, the, another great example that they have in there is there's Florida Man packets. So oh, that's cool. Florida Man packet. And it's a mystery Florida Man thing. Every single one of them comes with a unique Florida Man story. If you're not familiar with the whole Florida Man thing. You are. 
if you're not from Florida or you're just somehow are living under a rock and have not heard of this, look up your birthday, Florida man. There's some crazy news story. But there's these little Florida man packets in them where it's like some story that they picked out and they may, they put a little prop in there to represent it. Like there was some guy that like shot an RPG at someone or something. Ooh. I don't think he hit them, <laughs> luckily. But he like shot an RPG at someone. So there was like a little like rocket gun in there, like a little squirter gun or something. And then it's got like a, a well-printed, colorful storytelling. Just little like unique pieces that are, it's like a fun story to tell at the bar. My favorite Florida man story is the one that just came out about how he's now in prison for like killing a chicken, like his neighbor's chicken. Have y'all seen that yet? I have not. It like it, it happened here, like in Jacksonville. Oh, really? chicken murder! Did you see the dude who stabbed someone with his feet? What? It was on Barstool Sports because they had interviewed this guy in the past. So you know the they walk out <laughs> the the pizza restaurant, eat the pizza or whatever. Well, some guy with a a suitcase tied with a rope to his nub he's missing both arms he's obviously like on crack very obviously on crack he looks at he looks at the dave portnoy whoever the barstool sports guy is and is like you should give that pizza to a crack addict and this is a video from like years ago and then like two weeks ago so he has no arms in the video and two weeks ago he got arrested for stabbing someone with his feet with a pair of scissors um and they did a whole piece on our barstool sports where they like did a flashback to meeting the guy it's hilarious. I have a curious little segment for you guys, actually, that uh, I saw on a different podcast recently. So, secret projects. Do either of you have anything that you're working on right now that you haven't made public that isn't all over your social media that's in the background of either Barnes Media or Chef on the Fly or anything like that nature that maybe you haven't got enough to launch or, uh, or put out yet but that you're working on either of you got anything like that right now i do not i'm too busy but it sadly like you do i don't I, have anything i, I sadly to have two things okay let's go <laughs> i got andy we'll oh. start with andy i might have something <laughs> Here we go. well okay well the one it's it's already out uh in this the athlete day kind of oh right yes. that's a good so, one see andy so. always has something you should talk a little bit about athlete day because this is you're starting to promote it now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just now kind of starting to be promoted. Literally in the last last month. Um, basically, what Athlete Day. So, if anybody doesn't know anything about me, um, I got started doing sports videography, photography. I would sneak out to football games and take pictures of the players, and I would literally sell them for like one to like five dollars a piece. Most of the time, it was oh, literally. It was out. it was I sold them for one dollar. And, you know, and, and that was, I'd come out hoping I made like 20 bucks out of the game, you know, and that would pay for my dinner. Mm -hmm. So I obviously had to merge. I love sports, but I had to merge out of sports because you, the, the money just isn't there unless you want to get in-house with somebody. So you're working with a sports team or something like that to where you have something consistent. A sports team with money. To yeah, a sports team with money, yeah. you know, which even with that, you're you're. Honestly, I hate to say it, you're you're kind of underpaid with the the value you're bringing. You know, you're, you know, but, well, better. well, because yeah, because think about, it, I mean, how how fun is it to work for like a like to for like a sports team? Like, I would love to do that. Like, you know, yeah, work for course. work for Florida or you know or, you know, a school to work with the Jaguars. You know, a professional sports team. Like, it's such a competitive competitive industry. So yeah, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I was like to watch Devin Carvajal's interview. <laughs> See. <laughs> <laughs> Love Devin. Love Devin. Shout out to Devin. Shout but, out to other Devin. Yeah. Shout out to other Devin. Yeah, see, there we go. But 
<laughs> I, was, I had to merge out of merge out of sports, and I always loved sports. I mean, I still always was, I was still skilled to shoot, you know, football games. I still try to get into a Jags game here and there and everything. Um, you did shoot Jags games for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but now it's kind of like, okay, what's a way that we can kind of stay in sports and hopefully honestly make an income out of it? And now, now it's athlete day, so I kind of came up with this concept of saying, okay. We, we brought in a couple players in, and we kind of did some photo shoots back there in the studio, and we brought out the smoke and, you know, and did some some really, really cool shots. It came out fantastic. Yeah, it came, you know, came just really, really cool stuff. And it honestly merged from I was seeing all the NIL de- deals that are going on, and these schools, when these players are going on recruiting visits, I mean, they are – throwing everything at them i mean the the photo shoots that they're they're doing if you want to look at like texas a&m they got i mean they had this cool like photo setup and everything um when we went to lsu they did a whole photo shoot for uh for um birch sports out of lsu when we went out there just for i mean they were like i think yeah they were freshmen you know and so they, and they were already just like getting getting shots of them with lsu gear on and everything i was like this is a this is really really cool uh I wish every high school player got to experience something like this. So I was like, okay, what's a way we can do that? So I was like, okay, what if we do this thing called athlete day to where the players either come to us or we go to them and we bring the backdrops and we bring the smoke and we bring all the strobe lights and we make something they're not going to forget. So we, we take the, we, you know, so for $30, they come to us. We will, um, we will pay, you know, we will basically take care of everything. It's a one-time fee of $30 per player. And so that it kind of makes it good for on our part. And then they get everything for that $30. It's a one-time thing. So that's kind of the thing that I've been kind of working on. And the content we've been doing, it's looked really, really cool. So far in Jacksonville, we've been getting different teams and different sports. The big thing is getting different sports. Mm-hmm. And... It's and so that that's kind of the big thing that I've been kind of working on. Mm-hmm. Another thing I was gonna say about Athlete Day that I think is important is just now that now that players in college are allowed to make money off their likeness for any high school player um, in any sport that plans to hopefully have a career in college. I mean, you should probably be starting to build your brand in high school. Absolutely. And so if you can get some supporting media for that, that really sets you apart from your peers early it just lends more credence to you being able to showcase and curate a brand there's a there's a lot more value in that now so so if you want to hop on for athlete day shoot me a dm and there we go that. there's my click the link in the description. <laughs> there you go clink sponsored by there we go yeah. but the other one um that i've worked on, and it's still it's it's kind of stayed on the back burner for honestly almost probably a year and a half at this point is um i've told you about it once and i might have told you about it but it's the uh legacy series yes yeah so you want to talk about that so yeah, all right. This is my this is my seat. Nobody can nobody can steal this idea because this is in my <laughs> back pocket. Um, I think you've told me this. I'm told you. Okay, yeah. You might not not have heard this, but a couple of years ago, I was I was still still in college. I got this random idea. My my grandparents have this amazing story. They uh, you know, they they have this really cool story. They uh, ran away, got married when they were like sixteen and seventeen, and then you know lived like I don't know, they're like. 80 
Oh gosh, I'm a terrible person. I have no <laughs> idea. They're 85 Ancient. something like. Yeah, there we go. Ancient. Yeah, so you are Barnes' grandparents. <laughs> They're probably going to watch this. <laughs> Your dad doesn't even have an Instagram. The important thing Papa, is... Papa does, though. The important thing he is... Does. The important thing is Sorry, Papa. Killing it. Hey, they're doing great. They're doing great. But anyways, I was like, all right, I want to make a video for them, kind of telling their story. They have a really cool story. So that's what kind of we did. And then... Um, showed it to my parents, showed it to, you know, our family. They were like, this is, you know, it's great. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to really, really cherish this, especially, you know, in, in 10 years to when they're gone and I can still hear their voices and everything and hear them talking to everything. So I was like, okay, what if we create something to where you kind of get to create that for, for families? So you, you come in and you sit down with, you know, their, their, their grandparents or parents or, or whoever they want to capture that, and they tell their story. They, they, they either give their kind of and like an hour long kind of like documentary of their life, or what I think is really cool is something that I'd call the time capsule, where they would break down specific points in a person's life and give it to them. So like it would be something like you could do uh, like record your dad to give to your future son. So like say okay. Here's this. This is from this is from your grandpa, and you wa- and he watches this and he says, okay, watch this on your 13th birthday. Watch this on your 16th birthday when you get a car. Watch this on your um, you know, watch this when you get married. Watch this when you have your first kid. You know, watch this when you have your first grandkid. Like imagine being a grandparent and waiting years and years and years to watch something that you've never seen of your of your, your grandfather saying, oh, I remember when I had you as a grandkid. And, you know, that's a pretty powerful thing. You can get advice from, you know, from from somebody for your entire life. Somebody with your genes and your and that has been through life as yeah. similarly to you biologically. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to get that. Yeah. I mean, so that's my that's that's kind of my. uh my I my my two ideas. So it's it's I definitely I think there's a good market out there for it. I think I think it's just about implementing it. I think you could really strike the time capsule is brilliant. That's one of the best ideas you you've ever come out with. And I really do believe that like that works for all different types of people. Cause imagine if like even if I was a client and I had recorded myself for my future children at twenty six years old, right? Imagine if you were getting married and you got to talk to your dad when he was your age the day you got married. Like it's him, but he's twenty six and he's like, Oh, hey. Mm-hmm. that would blow my mind. You could do that throughout people's lives. There's massive, and especially I think a lot of people, um, there's there's a concept that I saw um, a big influencer talk about where it's like four or five generations out, you don't know your family's, your great, great, great mm-hmm. grandparents' name. I actually recently did a big Ancestry.com cert, so I'm, I'm a little more versed in that than most people with my family, but you probably don't know your fifth grandfather's out name on your father's side. That's Even though that's you know your family lineage, you'll know that. So legacy is something that's very hard to come by. Where, you know, No matter how wealthy you are or how well you do off your family, most of the time, four or five generations down, no one's going to have any idea who you are. And there's, so there's, we're talking about holes in markets. Well, there's a hole for how do we 
immortalize people not only as like financially or just as a memory or with the family they leave behind, but their personalities and their advice and everything of that nature, stories um, that you're never going to be able to get back. And that's a way to do that in a way that I think feels honoring and comfortable. And I think people would pay a lot of a lot of money for, honestly. See that that so that's my two big thing is figuring out okay price point and technology. Yeah, package because, options. Well, okay. Well, think about it. Ten years. What if I was to put it on a CD? Well, all of a sudden, and that person watches it sixty years later. <laughs> See, there, there's probably gonna be no CD players around. <laughs> I think the biggest thing would just be having it on the cloud like right having it on a, a website YouTube that holds channel. them and just hope that just a youtube channel i mean youtube's not going away anytime you know you can make a you can make a website that i know how super easily how to build a website where you can upload the video and people only have access to certain parts through passwords so That's like true. you lock each page of a website squarespace right exactly and there's who's ways gonna that pay, you can do it who's going to pay for that subscription you are, but you're going to pay for it with all the different payments that you've been uploading these pages for, and then their, <laughs> their ancestors can come on with that. What about it? What about in sixty years when I'm dead? Someone's got to still keep paying those payments. I think, I think the key is the one-time payment, and they, you give them the source file, yeah. and you upload it to the cloud, and you make the piece like you were looking into before, where it's uploaded to this little book that they can open and watch it. And I mean, if they lose that book that's on them but it's always going to be on the cloud they're always going to have the file the original files that's the trick mm -hmm. yours should be in a, your website should be an experience portal that they can go through if they would like to handle it in that way because it's kind of mm -hmm. cool to do it on the date you know your wedding whatever there's passwords that he set you know when he recorded the videos or if you just want the raw files there for when you need them the raw files are there save them to your family drive upload them to ancestry whatever you get the whole thing yeah Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a bonus that it comes with the physical piece. That yeah, that's the packages kind of thing. And that could mm -hmm. be a couple of the physical piece if you wanted to. For I think extra. it plays too much into what you already do. You're just walking over to someone's house with a camera for an appointment. No, yeah, it's, down it's literally, yeah. Well, and it's easier because it's a copy-paste type thing. Like, this is what I was talking about earlier, saying, okay, where's a product? We're saying it costs us this much to make. We could sell it for this much. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same. It's literally just like, Every okay, we time. set up two camera angles. We set up this lighting in this specific format. Okay. Uh, here you go. One person, two people, really at max. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is finding a, uh, a price point for it. That's what I'm like mm -hmm. trying to. What was your range originally? I was thinking, I was thinking like a thousand dollars. I think it's a very reasonable. Amount. I think that makes sense. It's yeah. for a full like, you know, if you're how many how many minutes of video are you getting? You're assuming forty you minutes to an so, hour. So yeah, video? so so I made one. Um, and. Uh, and yeah, and I, I so I kind of see what the margins were with everything. So here's kind of what I was thinking is basically you shoot them for an hour. So it's an hour long worth of footage in that hour long worth of footage. They can talk about kind of whatever they want. And then basically whatever your packages you choose, then it's basically like a 12 minute cut up version. So think of like an hour long podcast and then you have a 12 minute highlight thing that you can put into whatever your, um, Whatever, you know, the booklet, yeah, the the video booklet or whatever you want to use for it. And obviously it would change a little bit different if you want to do the time capsule to where you just do like these little three-minute increments. But I'm thinking you film for about 60 minutes. You're there for probably two hours, you know, 15 minutes setup time, 15 minutes to figure out what we're talking about, getting everything, you know, comfortable, and then, you know, breaking everything down. Um, and then about, yeah, like an hour's worth of just, you know, camera at them shooting talking love it so 
Now, here's a question, maybe a tough question. How would you instruct a potential client to ask that and bring that idea up to a grandparent? That that's that's the hard part is that the best marketing tool is very morbid. Exactly. <laughs> the best marketing tool is, hey, you're not going to be around forever. There's probably a way around that. But I disagree. I've mentioned it to my family since you told me it. Like, I, I'll be your first client for yeah. one because I, I know my at least my uncle, both my uncles and my dad and the, their descendants respectively would want that. I think it's an honor thing. Like, I want you I want your advice immortalized for my kids or their kids' kids or their kids' kids' kids. What, do your parents think they're going to live forever? Like, I, that's what I'm saying. I do it at yeah. 26 for my kids. I'm not worried about death's door right the second, but it'd still be interesting just for me because I think that would be so cool. Or, I mean, we talk about, you talk about every creator ever wanting to pass down content and like some of your life advice to your kid. I've never recorded one piece of content that was specifically meant to give advice to young to my next mm -hmm. generation and i think okay, there's so no I'm, one really doing that i'm your grandpa pitch me i'm then the grandpa's grandpa i have a friend he does this thing where he comes in and he does an interview for you he interviews you and asks you all kinds of questions about your life and your life stories and collects your wisdom and experience and creates a video for us so that we have a video of all these stories and everything you've been trying to tell us all these years that we can watch over and over and over again and pass down if we would like to like what grandpa's gonna be like, no, I hate telling those stories. Like they're going <laughs> you're gonna pay someone to come over and listen to my stories? <laughs> really? Like that, that's, that, that's fair. You all have a, if you have a grandparent, you know a hundred percent that I'm right. There's no one that would complain about that. You're gonna get your grandpa in their best clothes, sit them in the best spot in the clouds, put lights and cameras on them, ask them about their lives, they'll be flattered. They'll be that's and I guarantee you, you know, that's just not something yeah, maybe that's not, we think it would be awkward for maybe, I think my dad, my dad, when I asked him, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm too ugly for that. That was his response. He was like, I don't <laughs> want to be on camera. I don't mm -hmm. want to do that. But then I kind of made a point of it. I was like, you know, it actually kind of got on my nerves. I was like, dad, I, I don't care. Like, I want this. This isn't like a necessarily like about you thing as much as you know i want this i want my kids to be able to have this i don't care if you're camera shy like get on camera <laughs> yeah. like it'd be one thing if you didn't have anything to say but like just because you think you don't look great on camera my dad looks fine on camera he's just shy um it's so man. yeah exactly. he's a handsome <laughs> yeah. man exactly he's, he's a beautiful woman so it's like what are you doing <laughs> get on camera tell me some life advice she's a great life experience but so i think not only is it a, is it something that would flatter the actual person being recorded but it's going to be a hard no to say. Like, I realized how hard it was. It was like, I want you to record your advice and stories and information for my kids. You're saying no? Like, you, it's not really something you can't say no to, to be honest with you. I'm going to pay for it. Like, so. I think maybe <clears throat> even just taking the, um, the angle of focusing on the time capsule aspect. And just That's saying, the best piece. And just yeah. saying, hey, I think it would really be cool for my kids to have something that like just a time capsule for them to open and you've got like a pre thought out idea and you, I, I think there's a way you could kind of avoid that subtext of like, like why do you want them to do it now? Because they're not going to be able to do it later. Right. right. Well, I don't think that that yeah. almost needs to be a subtext whatsoever because I think you could do it at any age. I could definitely yeah. see myself right now 
taking three or four shots, giving it an hour, and then recording myself for my son's wedding. <laughs> three or four so shots. So I'm drunk at my son's <laughs> wedding with like, bro, you that did it. Be That'd be the best. If you had that of your dad or I had that of my mom, yeah. I'd lose my mind. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? I'd be um, right now, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh. It would be, it'd be crazy. It would be if you knew you had it for your wedding and it was set aside and you just didn't like, we didn't get a chance to look at it until then. I mean, that'd be more valuable than anything else I had. If I have kids one day, I'm excited just to be able to show them like videos of me, like like doing the little breakdowns for this podcast and like doing podcasts and stuff. I talk about that a lot. Yeah, just to be able to like have them see what I was like at this age. So that actually, um, uh, that gives me a small segue actually. I'm gonna go into a little bit about, I got two secret projects right now too, man. Oh, okay. Think about that reminded me, that like reminded that. me of the second one. So we'll do the second one first since it segues well there. So we're applying for a reality show and we're just applying for it right now, but I wanted to mention to you guys what it is because it's really, really interesting um, that we did where, you know, Becca's been doing the acting stuff lately. Um, she's been like doing a lot of um, different roles. Well, there's a role for a game show where you take a boat to the Bahamas and you are on a crew of other people who have also been picked and you're essentially a small pirate crew in the Bahamas. It's right up your alley. And oh, do you think? And the and your goal is to go and travel these different islands and navigate yourself and find treasure and it's like amazing race with a pirate theme, hmm. right? Um, but what they asked for it for the submission was they wanted proof that this was like the style thing you did all the time, that you're always out and on the water and on adventures and in the sun and doing this stuff. And that that's kind of been your lifestyle. So I was kind of like, exactly like you said, right in my alley, I went and grabbed every video that I've made over the last decade of my life that I'm like, would you like one from when I was 12, one from when I was 15 or one from when I was 20? And I'm able to show this like progression of this is my lifestyle. I love this kind of stuff. And we got our first response from it because of that. So that's pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. So hopefully would that become something a little more, but the reason that I kind of brought that up is as a piece of the secret project is because the recording of content that I didn't really recognize what I would inevitably use it for, just a very small thing that I've been able to use it for, has built over time. Things I recorded five and eight years ago just to prove a point about my life I've been able to use today. And I think that's something really cool that kind of ties into why we record content to pass down and why the time capsule works. Sometimes you just want, you know, you don't realize how much having what you say and what you do actually proven on record is important. You know, Patrick um, Bet David actually, do you know who that is? Yeah. Okay. He actually mentioned that um, talking about recording content that it's it's almost our responsibility now because our grandkids need to be able to look back to see this is where I get this from. As far as second secret project goes, I want to bring this up a little bit. This is something I've also think I've mentioned to you both before. Definitely have mentioned to you and I've been working on for about a year, almost a year and a half now, and it's officially finally kind of coming to a close. My book that I've been writing for oh, the last yeah. year it's finally going to be published at the end of this year. We're through the writing stages. We're off. We're on to like late, late editing stages. We're looking at traditional publishing options now. I wrote a fantasy book. It's really long. I give, it's like a hundred thousand words. Are coming very close to a hundred thousand words. Um, all fiction, just classic, traditional, high fantasy fiction. Um, I kind of took the concept. Yeah, uh, y'all, y'all have seen. Y'all ever anyone read Treasure Island? Yeah. Watch Treasure it. Planet. Yeah. Yes. Okay, there we go. Watch Treasure Planet. It's Treasure Planet, except instead of 
boy goes to find massive treasure hoard in the sky. It's boy goes to find castle in the sky. Um, so it's a it's kind of a, a twist on the the treasure island adventure a little bit. Mm. As I think is a very like when I look at the base, I always kind of look at like what classic story is quintessentially the the similar to what I'm writing. It's kind of a, a style of coming of age adventure story, kind of like that. Very excited to release it. Covers maps, concept art, everything necessary that needs to go in the book. Now we're just deciding who's going to pick it up. Essentially, that's about where we're at with see it. How that- comes out i mean it's you've been working on that for a little while now i remember when you first started working on it. it'll it be cool to see it come out yeah i think i think it should i've been i've been i've listened to the the best authors in the industry you know brandon sanderson and robert jordan and george r, r. martin and everyone who's tolkien and everyone who's ever wrote the best of high fantasy i've listened to all of them taken everything that i've been able to learn walked through editors and i'm getting to a point where i'm happy with it where I actually like it. And I think that's like my big marker that I'm really, you know, at the point where I'm done is even I read it and I'm like, okay, I enjoy this book. What, um, can you break down a quick, like, what's the process? Okay. You write the book, do this, 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 yeah. this. So, so yeah, absolutely. So that's actually way more complicated now that I'm into it than I expected. So it, I, I guess I can break it down to three major steps just to make it really easy to work with. So the first step would be the world building of it, which is where I actually went in and decided, okay, where is this going to be held? Because in a fantasy setting, it's not, you know, placed on a standard earth. So what are their, what's their topography? What plants do they have? What languages are their animals? What type of animals, you know, what countries where are the makeups of their armies? What are the lines of nations? All kinds of different things to a point of like in-depth ridiculousness. Like I could give you more information about the country in which my book take place, takes place than there is actual information in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second piece of it was story building. So I think it was character story, what's going to happen, why is there a conflict? So what, I know where this is taking place, but like, why is it taking place? What's going on and who's going to be involved? So that sounds like a small step, but that meant building out how my characters dress, their mannerisms, how they talk to each other, you know, what their allegiances are, their family lines, you know, all their relationships. So that then when I moved on to step three, which is kind of actually the writing step, I had characters and I had a setting and I knew where the characters were going. And it became a point of just asking myself, okay, when, when this type A personality with this ties and these people in their past meets this type B personality with these people in their past and they both need to do this, how would those type of people interact? And you can think of people in your lives and other books you've read and other situations you've been in. And I think it seems much more natural that way because instead of trying to force two blank characters on a blank world into a story that I've written, I'm more... I'm more putting two people that already exist or that have already been built in a scenario and seeing how it works out. And I think that's how I write my books the best. And that's how I find them to write naturally. That is more complicated than you would expect initially. That's cool though. I like my brain kind of hurts. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Mine too. It sounds like you, it sounds like a very in-depth, like immersive process. People can tell when characters and settings in books are flat uh to get a person that feels real and legitimate i mean y'all probably don't read very much fantasy or fiction in period i bet a lot of the reason is because when you read it it probably doesn't hook you in the same way it does a lot of other people and i think a lot of people that's because they enter through sometimes lower level fantasy harry potter things of that nature and the characters harry not potter's that lower level? no harry potter's fantastic but it's considered okay. what's called middle level which is like aimed at middle schoolers and high schoolers uh-huh. there's a gener- there's a whole genre of fantasy that's aimed at fifth grade yeah exactly 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 (laughs) oh there you go (laughs) 
Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Brody read them in fifth grade. Even the big books. Even the big Even books. The big books. Um, but there's a whole genre that's, that's that are <laughs> they're pitched to adults and adult personalities and adult themes. And I think if you don't have those personalities built out ahead of time, then the characters fall flat or one dimensional, and they become very uninteresting to the adult audience that I'm going for. I guess. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. You gotta be. You gotta make it complex to make it interesting. Yep. Always gotta be working on something new. No, I know we have to wrap this up soon, but I do have, so I have a couple repeat questions I ask in every interview now, and I've gotten to ask you both the first one, but I have a newer one that I've not gotten to ask you both. Mm. I'll start with you, Andy. What does it mean to you personally right. to be a professional? Oh, gosh. I don't think I view myself as a professional, honestly. I view you as a professional. I think. What does it take to be a professional? I'm glad you asked him first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> so, when I think a professional, I think of somebody that is, and again, this doesn't translate to everything. This is just when I think professional, I, I probably first assimilate it to to sports. So I think top of, you know, you know, top of top of the list. You know, the the best to the best to do it in that industry. So obviously, there's plenty of you know pl plenty of professionals around, but you know my my specific goals is to continue to uh, to to rise in the ranks. And you know I, I know y'all see me as a professional, but I don't see myself as a prof professional yet because the professionals I look up to, I don't think see me as a professional. They still see me as a young kid, which I am, which I'm perfectly fine with, but. I want Jacksonville. You're shaking your head, <laughs> <laughs> but I want I want Jacksonville for companies in Jacksonville to view me as this. Oh, they are a very good media agency, media company here in Jacksonville. They do great work. Not because as of right now, if you know Varnes Media, you don't think of Varnes Media. You think of me, correct? No, Most I think of Barnes Media. Now. You think of Barnes Media now? When when the when the when, when the sign went on the door. Shift. Yeah, it is a recent mm -hmm. shift when it's the when the words went on the with door. Having with having the studio and having a couple people helping you out. See, I mm -hmm. think you're behind on everyone's updated <laughs> image, and that's if you go on the Barnes Media Instagram. You've got like other people making content for you now. You've got Marcel like making videos. I don't even you know your employees. I know people work for you that don't feature you at all. Like it's. It's definitely it's a it's been a recent shift, but I would say no. You think of uh, you think of Barnes Media, the name Barnes Media, the studio. Think of like some of the clients as no. You have chef on the fly, like you're not. You know, there's there's more than like y'all. Yeah. You're professional. You're everything you do is professional. I I'm going I'm going to steal steal that question for one second. A professional to me is someone who's using their skills that they've acquired through their professional career. So like everything you've done for work, even if you're a cook in a restaurant, right? But you lead that into making cooking content, and then you take that into getting a job as a I don't know a, a hibachi chef and then you take that into you know being a personal chef and you take that to owning a restaurant any step in that process to me outside of the first one is a professional so if you're still on that first step you don't have any skills you're learning at your base level you're not a professional but once you're using skill sets to 
grow your own thing. That's what makes a professional to me, whether you're like an entrepreneur and you're in a company and you're just growing your influence and your money and yourself within a company, or whether you're building your own thing like Varnes Media or like Profession Session or like everything that we all do. Either way, I think you're a professional at that point. I think, well, I mean, I think the technical term is somebody that gets paid for a specific skill. Yeah. So. Yeah, but then everyone's a professional. Exactly. So like people ask me, a lot of people will ask me, so when did you consider yourself a professional photographer? Mm, Yeah. Technically, I became a professional photographer when I charged somebody like. A dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple dollars. And suddenly suddenly I'm being paid (sighs) for my work. And so I'm known as a professional. I think. I don't yeah, know. I think, yeah, I think you have to be. I think you got to be, be surviving off of it. I think to be making, you have to be making, making a living at, off of it. Well, your at least a not necessarily a full time living because I don't percentage. Know, yeah, a, 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 a part at least a part time to where you're saying okay, this I can at least designate a you know part of my part part of my life income to this specific. Per, specific you're a professional area. when you make twenty k a year or more in what you're doing there. I'm putting a number on it. 20k 20k a year or more what you doing you can someone can live off of 20k right now you could you won't live well you'll be emaciated a little bit but (laughs) you'll make it (laughs) if you're doing 20k you're paying yourself you know roughly two thousand dollars a month um or getting money two thousand dollars a month worth of it you could do that with a part-time job if you were if you were you know and you would be and putting two thousand dollars back into the company and you could 100 percent um, and a lot of people could go out and get someone to pay a dollar for a cool picture that they took, but not a lot of people could retain clients with repeat business. Exactly. I think there are just different levels and different steps to it. And I like both of your perspectives. To sum it up, I would say to you, it sounds like being a professional is always striving to improve in your skill set in your industry and be one of the best. Is that accurate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that perspective because it is always going to keep you on your toes. You're always going to, I have a feeling you will be, you could be considered one of the top professionals in your field in the country. And I don't think you would consider yourself one of the top. And he's playing one of those games where you just get a little better every time and never (laughs) win. Yeah. Well, you're just, you have, I'm I'm, I'm just a hamster on a wheel set. Yeah. You're just, just (laughs) professional on the glass in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, Just, and then it sounds like to you, Devin, you would say it is being able to build a skill set and leverage that into a living. Exactly. You're, you're that's that's happier. mine exactly. You're just much happier than mine. mine yeah, if you're leveraging mine, a, mine's much more critical. If you're leveraging a skill set in a living, you're a professional. There are plenty of people who have skill sets that they can't leverage yeah. into a living. And there are people plain people that make livings but have absolutely no skill in what they do. Both those categories are not professional. I think if you cover the Venn diagram, you hit both. It's something you have skills in, true skills that other people can't replicate, and you can make money with them, you're a professional. I love it. Above twenty K a year. Well, anything else you guys would want to contribute to this conversation? Thank you, Brody, for having yeah, us on. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Andy, thank you for letting us use your studio. For absolutely. You. Absolutely. For a really cool setup. It did. So, it did. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been Profession Session. Uh, check the show notes or the description on the video for all the details of everything we've talked about, links, websites, all of it. And until then, stay tuned for new episodes of Profession Session.
We're tuning out. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We can be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for Profession Session, should DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking